Will the cost of health insurance continue to spiral out of control? And what's up with Obamacare these days? This is the Issues Watch podcast. Hi, I'm Jeff Kazerman, Vice President of Government Relations at the New Jersey Society of CPAs, and welcome to Episode 25. Today, we're going to be talking with Chrissy Butis, Chief Government Affairs Officer at the New Jersey Business and Industry Association. We'll be talking with her about health care issues that impact New Jersey businesses. Anyone who has ever had to deal with providing health insurance for their employees is well aware of the enormous impact health care issues have on the bottom line. Chrissy has a wealth of experience in the health care field. Prior to joining NJBIA, she was president of the Home Care and Hospice Association of New Jersey. Before that, she worked as a contract lobbyist and had several clients that operated in the healthcare industry. She also continues to serve on the boards of several state entities that deal with various healthcare matters. So now, here's my interview with Chrissy. Hi, Chrissy. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate the invitation. Thank you. So what do you think are the three or four most significant legislative or regulatory health care issues that are pending in New Jersey that impact the business community? Well, sure, uh, Jeff. There's obviously a lot of things happening on a on a global scale. Uh, so let me talk globally first in terms of some of the things we're tracking at BIA that might be of interest, um, both on the legislative and regulatory side. Um, obviously, we're always watching the overall tax climate um, and making sure that New Jersey is a competitive place to do business, as well as not being an outlier to some of our uh, surrounding states. Um, we're also very focused on watching the overall cost of uh, providing health insurance to our employees. Uh, we're frequently uh, ranked uh, in terms of overall cost at a level that is very perplexing and challenging uh, to provide uh, employees with cost-effective um, and high-quality uh, health care. And so it's something that we definitely hear from our members quite a bit. There's always a lot of conversation lately in the legislature around all the different labor mandates that have been happening as well. Right. Uh, so whether that's mandatory paid sick leave, uh, mandatory uh, paid family leave, uh, things of that nature, obviously hit both the healthcare side of the equation, but also the overall employer mandate side as well. What are some of the major healthcare items? that have seen movement or enactment, you know, since the uh, Murphy administration and the new legislature came into office in 2018? I, I guess you mentioned yep. the uh, the paid family leave. Basically, yeah. paid family leave. Yeah, so I can could, I could mention a few, and I'm sure I'm not going to cover them all. And, of course, mm-hmm. if your members have any questions for me, um, after this after this podcast is over, please have them reach out to me. Mm-hmm. But I'm just going to name a few. I mean, certainly on the labor side, you saw uh, the paid sick leave, paid family leave um, mandates come out. So, you know, employers over a certain threshold, and they vary uh, depending on um, what law I'm referring to, has to provide these benefits. And you can go to, to our website, and we have what we call fast facts on both of them. So if any of your members have any questions, they can certainly refer to um, our documentation on those issues. 
issues. But also, there is a lot of focus right now from the Department of Banking and Insurance on setting up a New Jersey-based uh, state-based exchange. Uh, so essentially, as you know right now, the federal government has uh, basically the jurisdiction and ability to operate New Jersey's um, uh, population and for getting health insurance on the federal level. And this would really transfer that over to the state level. So I know that they're making transitions and applications to CMS as we speak um, and hope to take over, I believe, some of the education and navigator programs in 2020 and then be oper fully operational, I believe, by 2021. Uh, so that's a big, that's a big, um, you know, change in, in terms of the structure of things. Uh, they also instituted a reinsurance program, uh, again, to really cover um, some of the costs of the insurance companies if you have some outliers in terms of increased costs for some claims. So that's been something that the Murphy administration has said has reduced costs in the individual market. So those are two things that I would say have been significant from the Department of Banking and Insurance. Um, also, a very, very big focus on maternal child health coming from both the Department of Health as well as the Department of Human Services. Uh, there is, uh, unfortunately, New Jersey and the United States rank very low when it comes to, um, or very high, I guess it depends on how you look at it, as to the rate of maternal child uh, deaths, which, you know, you wow. wouldn't think still no. occurs um, in the year 2019, but is unfortunately a reality. And so there's a lot of focus on making sure a parent and mom and child are healthy um, as as you know, they the mother moves obviously towards birth, and so that's a huge focus. I'm sure it's no news to your members because um, you know it's all over the newspapers around still trying to get you know get up to speed and 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 address the opiate opiate yeah. epidemic, which is is which is still very real. So you see a lot of programs coming out of the Department of Health, um, also a lot of bills in the legislature to try to address that issue. Um, and now there's also a lot of focus on lead, and whether yes. that's in water and paint and any way that it's delivered, making sure that we can, you know, make sure that the children are protected and adults, um, but certainly the children who are more vulnerable to it, the effects of it, are protected. And so that's been a very big issue uh, as of late. So just those are a few um, major priorities that that we've seen in the healthcare space. Yeah, there's there's always a lot going on with healthcare year after year, forever and ever. Let me ask you about an issue that you touched on, I think, in the beginning here, which is the problem of, and this has been going on as far as I can recall, at least 20 years, and that's the year after year, there are sharp hikes in the cost of health insurance. I can remember maybe 20, 25 years ago, they were talking year after year, like, okay, there's a 15% hike this year. Then the next year it was 18%. Um, so so two things. One is, it, what has it been running at for the last few years, uh, you know, annually? What is it, like 10 to 15% it keeps rising? Does that sound right? Yeah, that's that's in the ballpark. Yeah, and I'm and, and again, you have to differentiate the small um, the, the small employer market to the individual market, but they're right. usually either high single digits or low double digits in terms wow. of an increase. Um, we've been tracking. We definitely have been tracking a lot of that. Um, and again, we approach healthcare from from a couple of different standpoints, but the primary one is you know representing the business community. We want to ensure that our members are able to provide 
cost, high quality, cost effective health insurance to their employees. And I, I know many of your members, I'm sure, operate their own business, yeah. and that's always a line item that goes up significantly, yeah. as you alluded to, Jeff, every year. And so, so what do we do about that? You know, um, BIA has, you know, definitely paid a lot of attention to any legislation that would impose a mandate of coverage of any sort. Um, and why do we do that? Well, because we know that less than 30% of the insurance market for um, those, especially the small employer market is included in that, are covered under state law. So what that means, about 30% of our market, so that includes the individual market, the small employer market, uh, some of our uh, state-based coverages are the ones that are under state jurisdiction. And so when a, uh, when a mandate goes through it, it's only applicable to about that 30% of the market, give or take. Um, and so we just want to make sure that, you know, is that a, a cost-effective cost way uh, to, to make sure that 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 issue is covered, um, and would there be a different way that might be more economical and, and also provide safe coverage? So, so that's always the, the, the issue, but this is also a federal issue, yeah. and I know that many of your members, I'm sure, have followed the health insurance uh, debate on the federal stage. So it's not specific to New Jersey, but certainly we want to make sure that anything that is discussed on a state level does not exacerbate the problem. So you said that only 30% of, uh, I guess, 30% of businesses are affected by the state mandates. Is that because they are, the other ones are, uh, what's the term, ERISA plans or because they're self-funded? Why? Why? Yeah. Yeah, so, so uh, yeah, it depends how you how uh, an employer, it's not, not, not necessarily 30% of businesses are covered, 30% of the entire market in, in New Jersey. So individual, small employer, just to name it as an example. But, yes, the other part of the market would be like your self-funded plans, et cetera. Okay. So there could be a difference in way, you know, the coverage is provided to members. Um, I'm just pointing out kind of the differences there and right. why we always try to make sure that, any mandate that goes through that our lawmakers just know that it's not going to impact the entire market. Okay, so that means that the other 70% is is subject just to whatever the federal laws are. Is that correct? Yeah, correct. Okay, yep. that, that's interesting. See, I, I learned something new today. That's one of the good things about the podcast. I feel like I'm uh, at a, and taking a college course and I, I'm learning new <laughs> things. Is, is there anything either on a state level or on a federal level that you see, you know, has any real chance of moving, or maybe it's just something in the marketplace that would slow down these uh, hikes in, uh, you know, annual hikes in healthcare insurance costs, or are we just talking about something that's never going to go away or that's out of the control of government or market force? I mean, what's the outlook for this issue which uh, I know has been going on for 20, 25 years. Because yeah. I, can, I can remember when there was nobody paid anything towards their health care, um, you know, their insurance, and you know, and now everybody does. Is there, I mean, I'm going to guess, because I'm not a health care person like you are, but I'm going to guess that things are going to be, continue to be pretty bad in this area. But maybe I'm wrong. What do you think? I hate to um, agree <laughs> uh, because, yeah, it's not a good sign, but I think that this is an incredibly difficult and challenging topic to tackle. 
Um, but we also know that a lot of focus is being paid to, paid to it as well to resolve it. The question is how. And, and yeah. that's when I said that a lot of the focus is going to have to be from the federal level. Uh, because, again, this is not just a unique problem to New Jersey. It also is in other states. So I, I, that's why we're focused on, you know, working with our federal representatives, but also just making sure that any bill that goes through the New Jersey legislature helps, you know, make sure people are covered with insurance. Uh, make sure that, again, if, if a mandate bill is passed, you know, what is that cost uh, yeah. to the health insurance premium? Um, you know, those are the types of things that we want to be cognizant of on, on the state level. And, and, again, making sure folks are insured is also very important because we otherwise uh, folks will be going into the emergency room, and we know that's one of the most highly um, cost dri- high cost drivers right. of, of providing health care. So that's why other policies that you're hearing to make sure people are covered is really important. Uh, to to the business community because again we we want to be mindful of whatever those cost drivers are to a health insurance premium rate. So, so there's no easy answer yeah. to this, but I can assure you that we are knee deep in the issue, right. um, and always looking for solutions uh, to address it because again we we anybody who uh, runs a business uh, knows that this is one of those line items that you're like oh boy how much is it going to go up this year yeah. and you know it's such an integral part to you know retaining your workforce and it's you know it's it's a it's a great thing to do for your employees so and just know that we are highly focused on it and committed to working with all our lawmakers on this and we just had a health committee meeting here at BIA uh, last week, and I know that the new Department of Health Commissioner, you know, even cited one of her priorities is just, again, looking at the overall cost of providing health care. It's a, it's a challenging topic, um, and one that I'm so excited to hear that the commissioner mentioned proactively. Yeah, it's uh, just amazing how much, uh, I mean, if you think about it from 20 years ago, the cost of health care insurance must be at least 10 times as high as it was then. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us the status of the out-of-network issue? Uh, and I should know the answer to this because I was following it and then it fell off my, my radar. Did they ever pass a bill um, to do something about you know uh, the out-of-network problem where somebody goes to, uh, I don't know, the emergency room or, or goes to a doctor who then refers them to another doctor and then it turns out, you know, that that doctor is out of network. What happened with that initiative? Sure. Um, So this is obviously, as you alluded to, an issue that has been uh, around for quite a long time uh, prior to my days at BIA. Just in terms of where it lies right now, the bill was signed into law um, back last year, I believe, and the department has uh, issued guidance on this issue. And they are still working on promulgating draft regulations for uh, the industry to comment on. Probably about a few months ago as well, I believe there was a legislative hearing on the issue uh, that brought both the insurance companies and the providers together. I think, I forget if Dobie was there or not, uh, but to really just try to get a, a snapshot of what's going on uh, currently. And so, yes, the law has been passed. Yes. Um, I know cases are going to arbitration, and yes, we are waiting for regulations at this point. Okay. And, you know, uh, I was just talking to somebody this weekend who I used to work with, and to tell you how important this issue is, in her health insurance plan, all the in-network, you have to be in New Jersey. And so she was in Manhattan, 
and she got sick. She passed out, and they, you know, rushed her over to a New York City hospital. And so she was there in the hospital for like three days. They were checking for heart attacks and all kinds of stuff. Bottom line is they never figured out what it was. Well, she got a $90,000 bill, which the insurance company said they were not going to cover because she wasn't in New Jersey. And they actually said that she should have driven over to, I think it was Hoboken, where there was uh, you know, a hospital in New Jersey. But that's, oh, I guess the only point there, my point is people should be careful and make sure to the extent that they can control it, they better you know, yeah. stay in network. And if they can't control it, I guess this new law would have helped her with that kind of a situation. Yes, and I would encourage you know your members and any consumer to go on a Department of Banking Insurance website or to call their insurance carrier to to you know to learn the specifics. Yeah, yeah. Do you expect anything? Uh, you know, we only have a few months left till the legislative session ends, uh, but part of that or most of it is the lame duck, where a lot of things start flying. Do you expect anything important in the area of health care? Is there any legislation you think will be moving? question, Jeff. I mean, as, as I'm sure all of your members know and our, our listeners here today, that lame duck is completely unpredictable. Yeah. And it's that time period where after a two-year session, all bills have to be reintroduced that, you know, haven't been sent to the governor's office and, and acted upon, essentially. Um, and so we do anticipate the governor obviously will be in office, you know, come January. And we don't expect a lot of changes in the legislature. So um, I, I would anticipate mostly bills that are at least clearing one, have cleared one house that might move um, to be considered, but all is still yet to be determined. I do think in the healthcare realm, you will, might see the Senate taking up um, the health benefits uh, for state employees. Uh, oh. I, I'm sure you've informed your members through some other for, uh, podcasts about Senate President's Path yep. for Progress. Yep. And part of that is uh, health benefits reform and pension reform. And so I wouldn't be surprised if you saw something on the Senate side, at least, yep. uh, being discussed more formally, uh, to, to at least to name one. And then, again, I'm sure there's going to be other items um, that come up as well in the meantime. But that, that would probably be the largest one uh, related to, to health insurance. One thing that, that I've always been fascinated uh about is, you know, there are all these big players in the healthcare field, um, you know, all different kind of industries, doctors and hospitals, and they, they often do not all align with each other. So can you give me a sense of, uh, if it's possible, what are the some big issues for key players, um, you know, like the insurance companies, doctors, hospitals, and pharma, I mean, they don't always, correct me if I'm wrong, but often they end up fighting each other and then the next day they're in alliances. Do, do I have that right? Like it's constantly yeah. shifting? Well I, well, I think that, you know, every one of them is integral to delivering care yeah. um, at some level of, you know, throughout the care continuum, as we call it. Um, I certainly don't want to speak for them uh, oh, because yeah. I don't know all their top one, two or three priorities. But I will say just globally, I'm aware of, you know, the added network law is certainly a priority, whether pro or con for some, um, you know, whether it's any type of price setting would be a pro or con for some. 
Um, also, just you know, what's going on with the opiate ep- epidemic uh, is something folks are keeping an eye on. Also, just tax policy in general, yep. um, whether that be through the corporate business tax, whether that be how you treat hospitals related to property taxes, um, you know, how, how mandates are getting, you know, passed or signed into law is, is certainly another. The issue, the, um, issuance, or I should say the execution of a state-based exchange will be on, on the radar. Um, maternal child health and how things are handled in Medicaid will yeah. be of prominence and also, you know, what charity care funding levels will be. So I think those are a few just off the top of my head uh, that the various um, constituencies would care a lot about. And some, like I said, would, you know, be in favor of some things or, or opposed to others. But yeah. I would say those are some of the big issues, and I hope I didn't miss any or speak incorrectly for any of my Healthcare colleagues yep. and friends out there. Yep. What are the um, big federal issues in healthcare that um, you know that impact all businesses? Is there anything pending other than the huge issue of Obamacare? Are there other big pending issues on a, on a federal level that impact healthcare costs for businesses? Well, I think that you're hearing discussions still take place on any type of price transparency. You're hearing. Uh, discussions about um, uh, uh, the transparency related to out of network as well on the federal level. So some of the state level issues are certainly the same on the federal okay. issues as well. And then, you know, related to the Affordable Care Act, which, you know, is something that, you know, does provide uh, coverage to, you know, certainly a lot of New Jersey residents. You know, there's always that, you know, Folks who have been supportive of it, folks who haven't been. I know there's uh, some pending lawsuits, uh, you know, um, regarding the constitutionality of it still. So it's always something that's always in the headlines. Yes. Uh, but obviously a big deal because, you know, states have insured folks through through um, the ACA. And if it were to go away, that would need to be picked up somewhere else. Right. And the question is how and who would pay for it. Yeah. So it is a big issue that we continue to monitor, but I don't think there's been any really significant changes, but obviously a lot of, a lot of different way going, a lot of different things going through the courts that might have a, or would have a significant impact depending yeah. on how those rulings come out. So yeah, that's where the major uh, movement or possible movement would be, would be through the courts because the um, as far as changing Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act, that I mean, the it, the president made a big move for that. I guess the first year he came in and it didn't yeah, go through. On. So we're not going to see that for right now. But there are a bunch. You're right uh, that I've read about. You know, court cases that were decided the wrong way or the right way, depending on your point of view, would would gut or change, significantly change uh, the Affordable Care Act. Um, You know, one thing I don't recall was there was, was there a lot of division between the business community on the Affordable Care Act and were there some that supported it or some that opposed it or was it it mostly opposed? Because I I seem to recall that the... um, Doctors supported it. Mm-hmm. Pharmaceutical companies supported it. But were they like the only, uh, you know, broadly speaking, uh, industry sectors that supported? I I can't recall, but I'm interested in knowing. Yeah, and 
I might have to actually look back because now that's been a number of years ago. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to speak incorrectly as right. to who was uh, in favor and not, but I'm also trying to remember the politics of the time, too. Yeah. And, you know, obviously it was a very controversial matter that was going through. And so now I think you've just, you know, even seen states who, you know, have embraced part of it, some yep. who haven't at all, you know, even back when – uh, the ACA was formed, right? We had Governor Christie in office who um, accepted the Medicaid funding um, aspect because, again, it's it's helpful to have other funding come in and take care of part of your population. Yes. So it was. I think it was very nuanced depending on the politics and, and where you were within the country. But I'd have to actually go back yeah. and refresh my memory because I would certainly not want to speak incorrectly on the issue. Okay. Let's uh, move on to a couple of uh, questions regarding your own personal experiences. And this, this, I always love this part of the podcast. Um, <laughs> what were the most surprising revelations in your career working in the political arena? What I mean by this is looking back at before you entered politics or public policy, and then you started in that field, what were the differences between what you expected going in versus what you found out to be the reality does anything in particular stick in mind well i guess you know sometimes we uh, have a quick laugh or something when we look at uh the pamphlet that explains how a bill becomes a law and while that might be true (laughs) any of us who kind of work in the in the space know that uh that's uh an extremely simplistic version of how how a bill really becomes a law. There's so much that goes into it, you know, from the public policy to the politics, you know, both statewide, nationally, and local um, on how policy gets driven. And, you know, there's just a lot of influences that go in um, and how even though we're a small state, you know, uh, various parts of New Jersey can look at, or the representatives from various parts of the state can look at an issue very differently. And so that just creates uh, an opportunity, I guess, for a lot of voices, but also can be a bit complex to follow and to uh, put policy together. Or there could be the exact opposite, where all of a sudden it's like you have this massive policy that's kind of passed and signed into law almost overnight. And so, you know, I know you and I probably in our roles have to explain to folks like how something can sit for 10, 20 years and not get addressed and something else just happened overnight. And it's just the process. And that's why I kind of laugh sometimes when I see the nicely colored pamphlet on how a bill becomes a law. Yeah, or... uh, (laughs) Hopefully some folks on the phone could appreciate that. Yes. And, you know, it's interesting because I'm always explaining this to members, our members, who... You know, I I can't blame them. They don't work in this strange field of politics and policy. But I have to explain to them, you know, they think, okay, so here's a bill that we, or an idea we like. We got a legislator to introduce it. So now we'll get it up in a committee hearing. And then, you know, it's a good, good bill. So how long will it be till that the governor signs it? And it's like, Look, I, I can't even promise you it's ever going to be even voted on in committee. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and that's difficult because what I also always tell them is politics is not like the business world. You don't come up with a, a business plan and then implement it and follow out your plan. It's just doesn't work that way. The dynamics are, you know, it could be a story in the newspaper, a headline, and all of a sudden your bill is moving or all of a sudden your bill doesn't move. Um, but yeah. Let me ask you, what do you find most frustrating about your job? 
I think that's uh, that could be also the the same argument is that there are things that make sense to you and I, Jeff. I know we worked collaboratively on a number of issues, also on like corporate business tax and yeah. tax policy in general of the state. And so your members, um, some of which are are my members as well, and we work collaboratively. Say, well, that just makes sense. Why wouldn't New Jersey just do that? Yeah. And it makes very it makes a lot of sense and and is logical, but for some reason it's just not catching the appetite of a policymaker. And so that can be incredibly frustrating to not be able to to get that across the finish line. Um, And so, you know, and a lot of times, you know, the devil's in the details on things. So when um, a policy goes through because it sounds positive, as you said, it's like a headline catcher, but all the the, um, particulars or um, the details of the legislation are challenging to, let's say, the business community or any community for that matter, trying to explain that the headline sounds great, but what the bill actually yes. does goes afar of that is also um, quite frustrating to try to get across to to policymakers. But that's exactly why we exist, is to try to communicate that, because we do pay attention to those details and do monitor the thousands of bills that are introduced every session and try to navigate which ones are priorities and which ones, you know, that we that we support and will have a chance of moving and, and work with our policymakers and those that, you know, are introduced that we don't like and also could move that we make sure we bring to the attention of everyone as soon as possible why they might want to hold off moving that or tweak the bill to make it a, a little bit more palatable for our membership. Yeah, you know, that is, uh, I think, a real problem. Um, you'll have a, an 80-page bill and, you know, with all kinds of provisions and any single group, including your group or my group, may support pr- provisions A, B, C, D, but there's, you know, in Section 4, there's these really bad provisions that do whatever, and then, you know, and then there's other groups who have their own um concerns yet something that complicated in the newspaper or amongst the public they'll it'll just be like i don't know the uh, tax fairness act and so you and it's like well it's not as as simple as that and the title of that is up for dispute whether or not it's fair or not and it's just so hard because i guess the media and the public they really don't have the time or willingness to to know all the details and i don't know how they would like you remember the combined reporting legislation i mean i knew cpas who couldn't figure out some of the the details of that but let me ask you the opposite which is what do you find most rewarding about your job oh that's a great question i i mean i like the fact that we get to help shape public policy and, you know, here at BIA, our focus is on, you know, promoting businesses as great community partners and growing jobs. And so if we're able to help create policy that really moves the, the business community forward and is able to make sure that all New Jersey residents have, have a job, a good-paying job, is really a, um, you know, something to, to work toward and, and that I wake up every day to try to do um, because I, I know that feeling when, you know, you you don't know, like, where your next paycheck is coming yeah. from or you're trying to support a family. It's, you know, it's important to have the ability to, you know, go to, to, to go to work every day. And if you want to increase your skill set to be able to go into school and to try to weave that all together is um, 
incredibly rewarding yeah. um, and definitely an eye-opening experience. So, Chrissy, I want to thank you for you know joining us today. Uh, as usual, I've I've learned a lot, and uh, I'm sure we will be inviting you back again. And I'm sure our listeners learned a lot. Well, thank you, Jeff. Yeah, this has been great, and thank you to all your listeners. If they have any follow-up questions, um, please let me know. And um, I always appreciate the opportunity to share some of the things that are going on in the state and also how we work collaboratively uh, together and also, you know, just highlight some of the major issues that are uh, facing the state. So I really appreciate the invitation. Thanks again to Chrissy for talking with us today about these important issues. In other news of particular importance to CPAs, the New Jersey State Board of Accountancy has adopted updated regulations that are effective immediately. You can read the full list of changes at njcpa.org slash aboutcpe. Here are a few of the major changes. The number of technical CPE credits required has been reduced from 72 to 60, but the total of 120 credits every three years remains, as does the 20 credit minimum per year, the four credit law and ethics requirement, and the 24 credit ANA requirement for those in public accounting. And something brand new to New Jersey and most of the country, nano learning and blended learning are now accepted forms of CPE. And some of our firms will be really happy to hear that exemptions from peer review no longer have to be requested annually. It will be part of the triennial firm license renewal now. That's it for today's episode. I hope you found it interesting and informative. If you like the Issues Watch podcast, you can subscribe for free on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back with a new episode in two weeks. Thanks for listening.